Okay, I think that's enough of music. From our mouths to God's ears, we're live. It's our weekly podcast. I'm here, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, Rabbi Tzvi Hershkowitz, and we have a guest tonight, Julia Ginsburg. So, how do we Welcome. get started here? Welcome. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> Julia's in a tickle because in quarantine, we believe you got married, right? No, I'm just practicing because it's fun. <laughs> Okay, Julia is a child as an expert in uh, child. What is it? Child development, child care, child. Yeah, child I, yeah. I mean, and what does that have to do with our podcast? Everything. We, when we when you bring in a guest who's an expert, you ask them about their expertise. It doesn't need to have anything to do with the parsha. You just ask. Oh, them. so it's just because you have a guest, you ask them about their expertise. Yeah, and this week's power show is, is literally called MR, speak, talk. So, you know, that's what you do with your children. You talk with your children. I'm very good at connecting things. <laughs> I guess that's why you're a rabbi. Yeah, so can you share some tips with us? Because here you have, let me just share. Tonight, we were supposed to start like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> but Robert Bernath, had to run around his house to find a quiet space because he couldn't get hey, Why are you open. giving away all the secrets? I literally have nowhere quiet. You have no idea. I'm in a hallway in between two rooms right now <laughs> trying to find a quiet space. My my kids- I can see um, the not, toilet in the mirror. Don't <laughs> Darn, you gave away my, uh, my kids got their own email addresses now. So now they send me these things. So they sent me a pod that I could buy that would be like an, a, a, a safe, place so I have like somewhere to have a quiet space in my house. Is it Do you understand these problems? I'm, I'm understanding the problems, but maybe Julia can help us with some advice because I'm hiding in a closet right now, uh, a bunker. I've, I've dug down deep and uh, still hear my kids. I mean, I can't speak to having kids, but I don't know. I think it's about, you can't expect the quiet all the time. You know, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit of balance. Um, but okay. When I taught preschool and we had circle time, um, they were engaged when they were, I don't I think it's really hard to keep them engaged all the time, obviously. I mean, when I, but when the times that the kids were engaged, when they were singing, and you both sing, so that's a thought. Did you sing with our kids? Yes. Did you sing with our kids? Because I thought, like, uh, last week, I thought I had coronavirus, but because uh, my voice was like gone, but it turns out I'm just not used to yelling this much. Did you, could you smell your Havdalah flame last night? Oh, yeah, no, I was able to smell, my voice came back. That was, that was more of a joke, actually. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I got the corona yet, but. Uh, actually, possibly. I had like a headache for half an hour. So hopefully. Growth mindset. Yeah. But what are what some tips that mindset? parents... Growth yeah. mindset is... Um, well, actually, it's... 
I don't know if it's originally coined by Carol Dweck, but it's a, a way of thinking um, that you believe that you can. Uh, it's kind of like Bitachon, actually, though. I never made this connection before until this second, but it's um, it's it's in psychology it's believing like you can't do something right now but you believe that you will be able to so you're believing in your growth and then that belief is what eventually makes you able to do it so so you think my voice will eventually be good enough that i can sing to my kids yes and you think that eventually i'll be able to believe something <laughs> Do, do you think though, so, though? Because it's not if I believe it, it's if you believe it. Spoken like a true educator. That was great. <laughs> Thanks. So, so what are throw some it tips? right back at us. Yeah, what are some survival tips for parents? Um, <laughs> understand everything is temporary. I mean. But isn't everything in life temporary? Isn't life temporary? Life itself is temporary. That's what happens when you talk to a rabbi. Like, so you, you've been rabbiing for way too long. <laughs> I'm talking about practical tips because some of us have to like, edu like today I had to, my son had a test and he had not uh, studied in class. So I had to sit, we went, we, we, um, we, we sat outside and I had to learn some Gemara with him and trying to, you know, but the reality is it's not, it's not easy. Is the school really going to mark his tests and like give him grades during this time? He gets a knas if he doesn't. Uh, so that's a joke. That's that, a joke. That's For those who don't know knas, when you go to a religious school, like if you if you arrive late, you have to pay twenty dollars. That's a knas. <laughs> so actually, when we were in yeshiva, Svi uh, and I were in yeshiva in Morristown. If you came more than I think two minutes late in the morning, then it was five dollars, right? <laughs> uh, what year were we there? Was that there with Rabbi Sarbransky? Yeah. So, uh, no, it was, so, so there was a guy, my, the, the, the room next to me, there were two guys that were always late and they would just put the $5 bill on their doorknob. So <laughs> but, I didn't wake them up. But Rabbi Sarbrasi was great. Uh, so I once did that too. I once, um, I wanted to sleep in. So I sent down with my roommate uh, $5 uh, and I said, just let me sleep in. And the rabbi sent my roommate back up with $2 change and he said, with, with a note, today's a discount. Discounted rate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but he also he had with all that money. I, I, you know, he had a very fancy car for a reason. But do you remember <laughs> there was Tobu's Tuesday for some reason? Yeah. If it was Tuesday, he actually had a booth like in front. Like he would stand there with a booth, and I, I have no idea why. Just randomly, if it was Tuesday, it was double knas. <laughs> this was real. We're, yeah, we're not making this great. up. Yeah. I believe you. I really wish you had a picture of this toll booth, though. It was like the Wild West out there. Can you believe that it was 20 years ago? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. years ago. Wow. So now I... we're, we're raising, like, our own kids who are, uh, you know, who are growing and developing. And uh, we don't want them to come late on Tuesdays. You uh, should yeah. when they get older. So Especially since you... it's probably going to be our money. So I can't yeah. afford that amount. That that level of Knossim. So what do we do? Guide us. Um, so that you don't have to pay your children's Knoss? Well, that's why we, that's the main reason why we are educating them these days. So that when they get into Shiva, seminary, 
And in, with the cost of inflation, it'll be like $100 for coming late. Okay, actually, positive reinforcement. You, you know what that means, right? Like, versus negative reinforcement. So I, you both believe in bribing your kids. So <laughs> am I wrong? You're absolutely Bribes right. are awesome. Yes, exactly. Bribe. So, but it's, if it's a bribe before rather than like, like add, I mean, I think you do this anyway though, but I think it's helpful. Like don't, what's the marshmallow thing you do in, no, the, the thing, how is your, um, jar of marbles, uh, jar of marbles, jar of ho hockey pucks, hockey no, pucks. Don't, Svi, don't you have a jar of, what's it called? I do, but I, now I've started using this. That whole jar thing was not really working. Oh. I, I got an app, Reward Chart. Oh. Reward Chart, and it works. Uh, it works. Uh, with the younger kids, with Miriam, it's not yet working, but we're, we're, we're trying to. Uh, so, we're trying. so we did a whole reward chart, and, and our teenager was like, oh, it's so stupid. It's so babyish, and she's the one that's doing the most, so. <laughs> so it depends what your rewards are. I, I guess you're saying yeah. you've got to you've got to create rewards for them, and then beat them with a stick. Exactly. Like it's which part? No, it, like it says in the um in the Hagada, punch him in the teeth. Air the rod, spoil the child. Exactly. <laughs> is it right? <laughs> if he becomes a Russia, someone watching this live is going to call the domestic abuse hotline or the child abuse <laughs> terrible. It's, we're not, it's we're not beating our kids. It's, the only way we're only beating our kids with chess. That's it. And hockey. In chess and in risk with our sticks. Yeah. And in exactly. and in settles with Katan. Yes. I thought that was a group game. Oh. Sorry. I thought that was a group game. Katan is a group game. Yeah, yeah but the kids it. can't win. I still don't know how to play. Doesn't matter if you play with your kids, the kids can't win. <laughs> it is not. Okay. Is true. Board games are a blood sport. <laughs> that one, you never play risk with uh, Robert Bernath. She's just a little life hack. Never, never. I just look. Treachery. When you, when, you, when you talk about conquering the world, Napoleon has nothing on me. This is the world. What? Hey, so um, let's let's talk a little bit about the Parsha because this is a Parsha podcast, right? So uh, we're in Parsha's MR. Julia was like, "Phew." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is this is really her territory. Julia enjoys the Parsha classes. And That's I'm sure true. She, and I'm sure she um, uh, and I'm sure she has a lot to say. But uh, in this week's Parsha, there's a controversial. There are a lot of controversial statements in MR. And Emmer is where it's, it's like an interesting parsha smack in the middle of kind of a bunch of boring ones. Emmer has uh, some of the laws of the Kohanim, right? The, the, the priests. I love how they translate Kohanim into priests. Isn't that awesome? I find it strange. Well, originally... Right, they that. stole our word. It was It's our word originally. Actually, actually, it's probably pagan originally. Yeah, that's probably true. Mm. But but it was more or less like a priest. Like... like, like Kohanim were not supposed to, like, their job was just with the holy items and dealing with people who had Saras. We spoke about Saras, like, like, like Michael Jackson would have gone to a Cohen. I think his lawyer's name was actually Cohen, so it, it worked out in the end. But, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, like, uh, like the, 
that was the job of a coin. The coins worked in like the holy places. They, uh, that, that was what they were. They were like priests. And the Levies, the Levium, originally were like rabbis. Actually, Miser was supposed to be given to the Levium, the Levites, originally. But then the Kohanim kind of stole it. I'm saying this as a Levi. Like, I'm, I'm a Levite. I should have gotten original Miser. But the Kohanim, you, you got... You, so you, you want to wash your own hands, all right? Wash your hands yourself. Learn. So you want us to tie it to you. Yeah. What happened was, is, is, is after when Ezra brought back uh, people to, uh, you know, started returning to Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. So the Levites apparently didn't uh, come back with him. So Ezra, the Kohen, he decided to, to give the Kohen in Miser. As punishment, Levites got, got Miser shame. Second Miser. Second type. I don't think Ezra was a Cohen. I just, I, I'm not sure. He was a scribe. I don't think he actually wasn't a Cohen. No, no, no. Your Ezra is a lady. I, I literally named my child Ezra. He was a lady? No, I said but your Ezra is oh, a Oh, my Ezra. Yeah, yeah. My Ezra is a lady. Yeah. That's, you know, that's to get back at him. It's kind of close the circle. You took away this, this, um, you know, he's my miser. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't sound No, but it really doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> I need to wait till I have nine more kids and then we'll look. Anyway, so um, the Kohanim, they had, um, but, but Levium, you could be like any, the Levites worked as like the rabbis, right? Translated to Torah, they were like the studious ones because um, we couldn't own land. So everyone would support us. That was the idea. Kohanim also couldn't support land, but they got some money from working in the Holy Temple or, or as local synagogues or whatever. But uh, the Kohanim, one of the controversial points it makes is that Kohanim were not allowed if they had any blemishes, if they had like, uh, if they were missing an eye or if their arm fell off um, or if, uh, I don't know, they, they had like, uh, if please they looked. Be more graphic for us, please. I can actually read off of here. All right. No, thank you. No, thank you. I was okay. joking. A Kohen who is blind, lame, disfigured, or had uh, an enlargement, had a broken leg and a broken arm, Unusual eyebrows. Okay, we, we all know Conan who have unusual eyebrows. Like unibrows? Yes, that's a great example. One who has a cataract, a mixing in his eye. Uh, you, you, you get the point. Lots of different. Um, Conan who didn't look like you're like, weren't good looking, weren't like tall, handsome, good looking, like Levian specifically all were. So, and very musical. Levian were, mu Levian were obviously, they, they were the most talented of. Of all the groups, this is just—it is known. It's, we see now. We we know this. So, and very funny. Yes, obviously, not funny looking. The Cohen were funny looking. The Levites were were funny speaking. No, that doesn't sound good. They were standing the up on that platform in front of the uh, in front of the Heichal, and they were doing stand-up comedy for sure. Absolutely, but the Cohen—you know what's weird? How a disfigured Cohen cannot work in the base of Mikdash, which is so strange because when you think about it. The altar that it had was very like like wheelchair friendly. You know, it had a ramp. It, yeah, but we, there's a but that's a that's a sneistic reason. Why? Be, so that when they walked, so that you couldn't see. Am I wrong? So that you couldn't see, like up their so legs. That, yeah. They weren't. First of all, they weren't wearing kilts. We know they had mechnosayim going on. Uh, we we spoke about this that Hashem figured they had to. We spoke about this in the past. How, how much I, 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 I get joy out of the fact that one of their actual pieces of clothing was long johns. 
and how like Hashem was like, all right, if I don't put it in, they're not going to wear it. So, but also <laughs> there, there, there were steps in other areas of the basement. I don't know. No, yeah, I guess so. But why would people be looking up there? Like what kind of creeps did they think everyone was? Anyway, good point. But I hear you. Good I point. hear you. May, I, I haven't heard that before, but yeah, it makes sense. Um, the, but, but anyway, the, so the question is why couldn't a Cohen, you know, like that's really offensive, isn't it? That a Cohen who's disfigured a bit is not allowed in the Holy Temple? Are you saying that we don't accept disfigured Jews? I mean, for take take for example, Robert Bernath, his beard has a split in the middle of it. Would he be allowed? I don't know. That's a good Seems point. Seems like a disfiguration. It is. <laughs> it was from that time that the Havdalah candle caught it on fire. That your beard? Yeah. Wait, I want to hear this story. Tell me more. <laughs> Oh, it's not a real story. <laughs> oh, my, my father's beard really caught on fire once while searching for hummus. He looked in a laundry basket and, uh, you know, like uh, like a normal person would hold it, whatever. He held it low and his beard caught, I'm not joking, his beard caught fire. So what's the rest of that story, though? What was the point of that story? To so the rest everyone, of it. How did he stop the, the beard fire? I carry a fire extinguisher with me on my person at all times. No, he just he just he just took his hands around and went like that, and you know uh, it, it went out very quickly. But for we those all of you think, for those of you listening, Rabbi Tzvi just did a um, a hand motion with uh, on his beard uh, in a way that usually is done uh, when studying Talmud. <laughs> That's true. What does that hand motion with the beard mean when studying Talmud? When you come across a particular tough question, you kind of stroke your beard to, to seem, it's, it makes you feel wise and seem wise. But it has to go along with the specific eye um, gaze. That depends on if your eyebrows are mismatching or unusual. <laughs> For example, a unibrow. Unusual. So, so but the question is, what do you, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Why can you not have a Cohen who is disfigured serve in the Holy Temple? Why would Hashem well, be was, I mean, look, that's why I think the Special Olympics and all of this inclu you know, inclusion and all this awareness is amazing in our world today because in that world it wasn't. It was considered uh, uh, not a good thing. And today we're much more inclusive. So I think uh, in that way, we've come a long way since the times of the Bible. Julia, you have any thoughts? That's very nice, but that wasn't a direct answer to the question. No, it wasn't. Classic <laughs> rabbinic move. He's, yeah. he's been trained for years. In this Is that a bait and switch? Major. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I don't have a specific answer either. They also have a lot of limitations um, that I feel like for them makes Shaduchim harder also. It does. It makes it Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that um, it was a practical issue as well. Like they, there was a lot of work to be done in a very short period of time. Everything was like time stamped, certain amount of hours, certain amount of, there, it, there was a lot of movement. And I think that they physically couldn't keep up with it. Well, that, that, but yeah, but what about someone who like had unusual eyebrows? Like what's the issue? I think yeah. that, I think that one point it would could be, be the eyebrows were over their eyes and they couldn't see properly. I mean, how do you know? Well, it's referring to okay. Let's give other examples. I, I was I was driving this morning and I'm sure the person had eyebrows over their eyes in front of me. Yeah, 
I brought uh, yeah. That was, I was driving in, in front of you. Ah, that explains it all. I, uh, yeah. No, but um, I, I I think it also has to do a little bit with distraction, right? You know, like how a person is supposed to be like if I bring a carbon, if I bring a sacrifice to the holy temple. My thoughts are supposed to be on, right? I mean, the purpose of the sacrifice is to make me think about my sins, right? To make me think about all that I have to do. But if I'm totally distracted by that mole on the Cohen's face, right, or that weird eyebrow, then I'm gonna, I'm He's not gonna be able to. Did you see the mole on the Cohen's face? O M G. But that's your fault for being judgmental, right? Like, you see? we're not like shouldn't we be not judgmental so we should be above focusing on those little things that don't have to do with the person's inner character or like a large eyebrow has nothing to do with someone's mitos yeah but there's like the hawthorne effect you know like that that that, that people behave differently like in front of uh when they're self-conscious so you might even have that Okay, uh, by the way, I did find an answer that I really enjoyed, uh, which I'll get to, because I- uh, Can you please, uh, can you please huh? share? You, you have us on the edge of our seats. Can you please well, share? Well, no, I wanted to chat about this before I get to my answer. I wanted to hear some thoughts, but okay, I'll, I'll, we'll move ahead. Um, I've always, look, if we can make these Torah portions interesting, then we can make any Torah portion interesting. Emmer's not bad. Emmer's not bad. It's, it's, it's not a bad. It's in the middle of all this. We've got some interesting uh, stuff in Emmer. Emmer's got, uh, what else is Okay, go to the answer. Well, we'll go to the rest of the stuff later. All right. Um, so the, the, the answer that I really liked, it didn't come from a rabbi. It came from like, uh, came across an article because uh, I was researching this because, uh, uh, you know, it always bothered me. Um, and the answer was as follows, like basically, how often would a typical Jew or before uh, Israelite, how often, before it was just Jews, how often would they go to the Holy Temple, right, or to, uh, to see a Kohen, uh, you know, in the base of Mikdash, in the Holy Temple, or in, before the, before the, the, the Holy Temple, the Mishkan, the Tabernacle, the Tabernacle, how often would they, would they, um, would they go, they, they go, they'd go they, like they, they would usually go like three times a year, three times right. a year. Exactly, a few times a year, so they rarely saw them. Meaning, and even when they went and saw them, most of the time the Kohen, the, the, the Kohenim were like, um, were not really spotted. Even their dormitories, uh, we learn in uh, Mishnayas that uh, the Kohenim kept out of the picture. They, they kind of stayed away. Um, they were kept out of sight for the most part. Yeah, they, they didn't want any lawsuits. No, but for the, the Yom Kippur services, they had to be married. Right? They had to be what? Married? Yeah, like couldn't they not? Is this a question you're asking because you're wearing a tickle right now? No. This is totally off topic. No, no, no. I understand they all had to be married, always. Yeah, no, but they could do, they could, I don't know, I, I could, I'm just a I'm asking because of what I read today. Could they could do some of their priestly duties before they were married, but for the Yom Kippur service, they, or, yeah, your, yeah, that makes it. Yeah, that's that's right. But where are you going with this? Well, so they didn't live in dormitories, did they? They lived like right near the base of Megdash with their families. That's possible too. But the point is, that, um, they weren't um, they weren't like uh, in everyone's faces. They weren't. They they were kept kind of behind. I mean, once you got into the holy temple and you needed an, uh, an ox to be slaughtered and you had a uh, the whole thing, so then you got you got to see them. But generally. In, Typical life of a typical Jew, 
They would rarely see, see the, the, the Kohanim in the Holy Temple. All of this, having a, a blind or a deaf or, a, you know, someone without any arms or legs, uh, that, those Kohanim were allowed anywhere else in any other town. And that's where right. they would regularly um, see them, right? Now, the point uh, uh, you could compare it, there's another part in this week's Parsha that talks about, like, the term is used as a mum. Uh, moon blemish, right? So we see it by an animal too. An animal uh, to be offered as a sacrifice, you, you couldn't bring an animal that had a blemish, that had a moon. Why? Because if the Torah didn't say that, then everyone would just send to the Holy Temple, bring to the Holy Temple the like the cow that didn't give milk, you know, or the, the sheep that had no wool, or the, you know, cross-eyed uh, chicken. <laughs> okay, cross-eyed chicken? Yeah, that's a bad example. Like cross chickens, cross-eyed still laying eggs, but like the cross-eyed, what's something that's useful? Ox. The cross-eyed ox. Yeah, right? that would not have been good. Huh? That would not have been good. Yeah, that would the the cross-eyed ox is by the way the reason for like ninety percent of the Gemara's discussions. You know, by mistake plowing your neighbor's field. You know, just falling into pits, goring everything in its in sight. This. Sidetrack. Okay, but anyway, you would bring all of those to the Holy Temple, and, uh, and, and instead of the actual good, you know, what what is more valuable. But here in this, in so in this case too, it wasn't. We didn't want to hide away the the kind of the blind Kohanim, the the deaf Kohanim, and send them all to the Holy Temple where they're seen three times a year. You know, we didn't want to do that. We we needed them in within part of you know part of. Uh, not just part of society, but an essential part of parts of society. A Cohen who had a broken leg or broken arm, or or had some kind of I don't know um, unusual eyebrows. Oh, my favorite of all, by the way, unusual eyebrows. Now that is um, a Cohen like that. Anyway, part of his job in this in the town was dealing with the people who had saras, right? The people who had um, that skin disease. So imagine people with a skin disease going to the Cohen and the Cohen is this handsome, good looking guy who's all put together and everything. Right here, they get to see someone who will really get them, who will, who will you know, it's, there, there's compassion involved. There's, so it was really about, about, um, about having the, 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 the blemished people who are just like all of us, having them around the entire nation, having them in our sight, in our, you know, I think that's a very beautiful answer. That's a very beautiful answer. I think that it's interesting that because the 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 koanim that were quote unquote work out of sight, whereas the koanim that were working with the people were in sight. I really I really like that that discrepancy, and and I think that it brings a lot of a lot of beauty to it, the whole thing. Thank yeah. you. No problem. That's why I, I I sent an invite. Once this is all over, just I want all the. Blind coming in, come to Chabad NDG, Rabbi uh, Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cross-eyed, cross-eyed yeah. coming yeah. Unibrows. We accept anyone. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, I actually, uh, I, I was uh, looking at uh, the, the 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 Torah portion this week, and I saw something very beautiful. You know, right now we're in this period of the Omer. Mm-hmm. Right, we're in this period of uh, counting. Uh, you know, the 49 days, seven weeks from uh, the second day of Passover until Shavuot, from the Jewish people leaving Egypt until they arrived at Mount Sinai. And there's, there's, there's some very beautiful things about that. You know, 
the, the Jewish people, they spent 210 years in Egypt. Okay. They were impressed. They were enslaved. It was supposed to be 400 years, right? But actually it was 210 years, 400 years from the birth of Isaac, but 210 years of actual slavery. And what happened on the 15th of Nisan, which was the beginning of the Exodus in the year 2448, which according to my calculation would be 3,332 years ago, make it's no- such a thing that a rabbi would know, that, that you would know. This is so <laughs> Rabbi Bernat. But make note, I just want to make note that yeah. next year is 3333. Wow. Just saying. Someone's going to so, figure out a gematria there, but go on with what- No, well, I'm just saying, but it's, it's a really cool thing. So, so at that time, the world was completely transformed. They experienced freedom for the very first time. And I think about how we take our freedom for granted until this whole thing. Right now, I think we can appreciate what they experienced there in a very different way. Because when they said literally they experienced freedom, I feel like I want to experience that freedom that they experienced then. And but it wasn't until they actually left Egypt that they came to Sinai and they began the seven week preparation and getting ready for that moment when they're going to be given the Torah and not just, but now purpose that, the, that they're able to really truly experience freedom. That freedom, this is what I was thinking that freedom is not true freedom unless there's purpose attached to it. So leaving Egypt was beautiful, but going to Sinai and getting the Torah gave them a newfound purpose that they, that they never had before. And that is really where we live. That's really what's important to us. And in this process of freedom, in this process of, of being isolated physically, I think it's a great opportunity for us to be emotionally and spiritually going through this Omer process where we can try to find purpose and come to Shavuot this year with a purpose. And, and I oh, think that- so How are you what? finding purpose? How are we finding purpose through these seven weeks? Well, for example, I don't think this would be happening. This is a very nice thing that you know we're coming together in a very different way than we usually do. It's not physical, but- it's also in a way that can maybe be open and more uh, able to be inclusive to so many other people who aren't able to just physically attend a synagogue or attend a class. Which, by and the way, we finally got our act together, right? We finally put together, for like a month, we have done yeah. nothing about MNDG. Now, suddenly, we are piling it on. Well, that's because of you. And also, I have Hold to on, say Julia. that... Uh, what? You had a comment yeah. before that was great. Which comment? Your, your comment before. Oh, he oh, set oh, you oh, up. He set you up. Because you're on Lubavitch time? But um, shh, was waiting for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it makes sense. That, that was Rabbi Tzvi setting you up. In terms of planning, a month late makes sense. And the fact that, that Rabbi Bernath was 10 minutes late to this meeting is also makes sense. It's all part of the. Experience. I'm an on time kind of guy. I am an on, I'm like a yucky chabad, okay? 
I arrived. Well, I was exactly ten minutes late. That makes me yucky, Chabad. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So, so I, I want to go back to this whole idea of Omer, if, if I can. Okay. So when it says, when it talks about counting the Omer, it uses a very interesting term. It uses the word usvartem lechem, that you shall count for yourselves. Lechem for yourselves. The okay. word usvartem has the same word, has the same root as the word sapirut, which means radiance. I think the Torah is telling us that our lachem, ourselves, must be radiant. And I think that is what the purpose is here. Regardless of whatever, whether you're cross-eyed, whether you have uh, a mum. Un unusual eyebrows. That, that we have to rise above the challenge. We have to see the, the light, the beauty in all of this. Yeah. By the way, we are live on Facebook. Um, and Mitch Simon asked something there. If anyone is watching, we have six people watching right now. Um, Mitch Simon asked, is this not a full Zoom thing? No, it's not. <laughs> if you want to join, uh, you got to send a request. We're looking for guests. And, uh, you have to send, uh, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to uh, P.O. Box uh, 770, 770, NDG Quebec. A, with a check of that number, a same amount. That, same amount as what I said before. And then maybe we will consider putting you on uh, a future episode. Exactly. I feel like we could... Mitch, great question. Sorry, I'm glossing over it. I feel like we could wait <laughs> to... Um, uh what to today the like i'm not counting the omer but but the um the today is what is uh is tiferet sheba netzach or it's netzach wait, wait, wait. you have to say what last night what you're doing it wrong what was okay, last night help me first of all you say to them don't forget to count the omer that's we, number one okay <laughs> then you have to say last night was 24. If you're a mathematician, you could do something like two and a half weeks ago was 13 minus five times two with the square to the power to the power of three. Okay, last night we counted eight times three. Or Thank you. yes, you're welcome. Um, no, but I mean, can you say something about Netzach Sheba Netzach? That's like Netzach times Netzach. Netzach, 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 like the rest of all the attributes of every evening, usually it's like chesed, chesed is like kindness. So the first day is kindness of kindness. Like you're supposed to be so kind, right? And uh, Tiferet, and that day that severity of severity, that's serious. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's where you get really serious. And Tiferet, Shabbat Tiferet, beauty of, on beauty, like a, a, a compassion, on, however you translate it today is Netzach, Shabbat Netzach. Victory on victory! We play Katan and Simon. And you... This is the official Macho Day. No, but this I'm thinking of it as this is Macho Day. As they're multiplied by each other, so it's like Netzach to the power of Netzach, right or no? That's correct. There, we have, I have a booklet somewhere up here with all this like mystical takes on all of these, um, all of these uh, spherot, the what are, you know the like Kabbalistic terms, Rabbi. You you gotta be like my Kabbalistic translator. Can you can you give a little bit on Netzach Shabbat Netzach since, or just Netzach in general since that's 
So what, what is the opposite of Netzach, of victory? Uh, defeat? Hold, it's submission. Okay. Right, the, next, the opposite of, of, of being victorious is being submitting. So imagine if you, if you have a victory upon a victory. It's like one thing leads to the next. It's this amazing thing that builds up upon each other. And that, you know, and that- I'll give an example. I'll give an example. Medical. I'll give an example you can understand uh, being someone from Massachusetts, <laughs> okay? Yeah. If Montreal wins the Stanley Cup, that's a net snap. If when they're winning the Stanley Cup, it's over the Boston Bruins. Now that is Netzach Shevin Okay, I understand. <laughs> there you go. Okay, but with the uh, with the you, Kabbalistic terms, it was. Were you going to say more, Rabbi Bernat? No, I don't have anything. I mean, I I could say more, but I I don't want to go too Kabbalistic on this. Yeah. Uh, on this word, we're we're keeping it relatively light here. But I was just thinking because it's changing the the meta this today. Yes. Yes. Well, today is what I mean. Last night was what. Last night was Tiferet Sheba Malchus. No, Sheba Sheba No. Right. So what do you mean by it's changing today? Tonight it's 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 going to be what what we were discussing, right? Yeah. You said tonight. Yes. You already yes. said uh, tonight. Yeah. By the way, for those who don't count. Uh, count, count the Omer. You want to count? I'll live uh, with the Omer. Huh? Yeah. As your this week's parsha talks about giving the Omer offering. Yeah, but it talks about like everything. It talks about the whole uh, the whole, the whole counting uh, of the Omer as well as in this week's Torah portion. You know what we should be talking about is Pesach Shani. That's coming up. On Pesach Shani. That's right. Never too late. Okay, so what is the purpose of Pesach Shani? Never too late. In That's Yiddish, we say, okay. far fallen. It's never too late. That means I don't have farfel. Please put some on my plate. <gasps> no, but would you say that's the, that's a major lesson of Pesach Shani is that it's never too late? Well, let's there talk about historically. People, let's go, let's there, go in back to the original Passover. There were people who were not able to partake in the Passover offering because they weren't clean. Because they had Sarah. They had saras, uh, various things, afflictions that we spoke about uh, in the past weeks. And uh, they wanted an opportunity. So they went to Moses and said, what about us? And Moses went to God and God said, give him a second one. And that was a special Pesach. They, those people you observed. You know what's the bummer? It's only Pesach. Like, like, couldn't, couldn't they do that on yeah. Pur, for Purim, Sabbath Torah, Hanukkah? Like, I know. Hanukkah Shani. Hanukkah Shani would be great. Yeah. Today is like the 237th day of Hanukkah or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I made it down for that. Yeah. Except we'd be uh, burning down houses. That would be like very dangerous. Yeah, um, that, that's good. But, but, no, but that's but, an amazing thing. The people were able to have a real Pesach. It wasn't for us. We just eat some matzah and uh, we say, you know, thank you very much. You know, happy birthday. But for these people, it was an actual holiday. Yeah. And it was a very big deal for them that they really had an opportunity when the opportunity really should not have presented itself because they had missed it. But this is, was their opportunity that it's never too late. It, you think, you know, people, so many people think, oh, I'm too old for this. Uh, it's too difficult for me. There's no way I can't start like that. This is the real lesson of Pesach Sheni is it's never too late for anything. I think we could relate this lesson of Pesach Sheni to current day quarantine 
It's never too late to right. go outside. What are you trying to say? Hey, well, yes, but no, it's never too late to, uh, you know, take advantage of the situation that we are currently presented with and use it in a positive way. I agree. Give us some I examples of positive ways. No, I strongly agree. You can learn something new right now, a new skill. You can uh, you can take uh, take this opportunity to get all the ideas that like if you're not writing a book that you dreamed of for years, like when are you ever gonna write it? Now exactly. is the time. It's your second chance. Exactly. I'm up to chapter eight. What is the no last week's um pure chaos vote? It's the who said um if not me then hello hello said if not well, me then who uh, yeah. if not now then when. By the exactly. way, I, so let's do it. I was reading. If I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, then who am I? And if not, when? Ain't I meaning really? Yeah. Yes. Are you looking for it? No, I'm looking for something else because, like, I saw something that I very much connected with, and uh, yeah, you know, keep chatting, keep chatting. I'm gonna find it in the in the. In, in the Perky office, so I'm, I'm looking for it. I'll find okay, it. So, Rabbi Vernath, how are you taking advantage of the present day situation so that you're feeling? I have, uh, well, now I'm just catching up on so many things, but also I've been wanting to write a book for a long time and I uh, am now up to chapter eight. Wow. Yeah. And my goal is that by the time I come out of quarantine, I'm done. Well, at least with a rough draft. You need an editor? Uh, possibly, yeah. If you want to take a look at it, yeah, sure. I like editing. It's uh, a book on relationships. Amazing. I'm good at copy editing. Okay, so then uh, I will send it over to you. You can take a look at what I'm doing. It's a, it's on a Google Doc, so that could be easy. That'd be fantastic. So I, you know what? While Rabbi Tzvi is looking for that, maybe I'm going to continue because I was I was actually looking at what Rabbi Schneer Zaman, what the Alter Rebbe was was saying about. Emor and about this whole idea of counting. And wait, he, I found it. Okay. I want to read you this. I'm sorry. Interruption. Okay, Chapter three, Mishnah number ten. Abidaisa ben Herkinus says, Shana, I'm gonna I don't have the translation here, so I'll do it myself. The sleep of Shafris, the morning rest, okay? Wine in the evening, the speech of of many children, and the sitting in in shul of of, simple, of having simple people sitting in shul, they drive a person out of this world. And in this quarantine, I can identify with that, with all of that. Should I read it again? I take offense to that. <laughs> oh, I got endless speaking of kids and sleeping in and wine in the evening. This is like he's talking to us here. He's talking to us. So, I, I really like I really like that the that the, that the government in Quebec um, said that the liquor stores are considered essential services. Same. That's ridiculous, by the way. It really, really is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, but I guess yeah, as Lubavitchers, you disagree. I told yeah. We actually we're not like into liquor, but, but yeah, nobody it really really makes sense for for like addicts who like could could suffer withdrawal syndromes and stuff like that. So maybe it is. I don't know. That's a little far-fetched, if you ask me. Yeah, I hear, hear marijuana is legal. Did they say that, that marijuana 
Uh, yeah, that's also essential. Is Absolutely. That essential service? Absolutely. So there's at least a couple of mashgichim who are checking for checking them for bugs. They're still working. Are they? Probably. If there's kosher marijuana, there's got to be some rabbi in the back checking each plant. Are any of the marijuanas in Quebec? Anyway, I don't even want to get into this conversation. <laughs> no idea. Okay. Can I can I go back? I was talking about yes. Rabbi Schneer Zalman. Yes, go back. So Rabbi Schneer Zalman, he asked, and he said that, with, how do you brighten yourself? You know, he was he was he was talking about this radiance. This, how do you? I'm going back to this the, this initial idea. How do you how do you brighten yourself? And then he continued, as I stroke my beard with this response that he said, seven complete weeks. That is through refining each of your emotional traits through these seven weeks, as you were talking about, like tonight being victory of a victory. And I was thinking about the story um, of one of Rabbi Schneer Zaman's followers. There was a, a follower of his, his name was Rabbi Gavriel Nosachin. They, they called him uh, the charming one and yeah his wife was I a believe, snake charmer maybe he was a snake charmer i don't know I, I i believe that his wife's name was Hannah Rifka. the hanes are a big lubavitch family yeah so, well today they're very Hane, yeah. I mean, he's like uh you know he's you know you know what i'm talking about. he does not I, have unusual eyebrows let's just say and that he eats real crane exactly yeah. exactly the crane of the hanes in spain go on <laughs> So lame. We'll so, try not to interrupt you again. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's part of the whole thing. Our job so, is uh, Okay. That, that's the whole point of this is heckling. So, um, this Rabbi Gavriel was one of the most important members of the Jewish community of the town of Vitebsk. So 25 years had passed since his wedding, and unfortunately, he wasn't blessed with any children. And because of various persecutions, he also had lost all of his money. He was in great pain. And when the Alter Rebbe, when Rabbi Schneer Zalman had sent a, a request to him for funds because he was trying to redeem captives, it was one of the things Rabbi Schneer Zalman did quite a bit is he would all, often try to re, um, redeem captives who were put into prison. He didn't have the ability to even help him at all. And uh, especially to the amount that Rabbi Shneer Zaman had asked. And when his wife found out, she sold some of her jewelry to raise funds. I and feel like this is like a, a, a very Jewish like trope, you know, like every Jewish story, the wife is selling no. her Shabbos candles or jewelry. Well, I don't know. I haven't heard so many stories like this. But it was a story. Well, she's an Hyle, obviously. And she, what she did with the money is she washed and she shined the coins that she had gotten for selling her jewelry until they sparkled. And she prayed. And then she sent them off with her husband to the Alter Rebbe. When Rabbi Gavriel arrived to the Alter Rebbe in Lyozhne, he placed this packet of coins on the Rebbe's desk. And when the Rebbe opened the package, the, the coins sparkled with this unusual light. And the Alter Rebbe was lost in thought. And then he said, from all the gold and silver and the copper that the Jews contributed to the building of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, nothing sparkled like 
the copper mirrors that the Jewish women had contributed. Tell me, he said to Gabriel, where are these coins from? So Rabbi Gabriel had no choice. He said that I've been, I've had some financial setbacks and I'm poor. And my wife, she, her, her name is Chana Rifka, and her mother's name is Bela. She acquired these coins by selling her jewelry. The Alter Rebbe rests his hands in deep contemplation for quite a while as Rabbi Gavriel was standing there. And when he looked up, he blessed Rabbi Gavriel and his wife with children. He blessed them with long life, with wealth and extraordinary charm. This was the blessing. He instructed- and usual eyebrows and usual. And unibrows. <laughs> and he instructed Reb Gavriel to close his business in Vitebsk and begin to trade in precious stones and diamonds. And the Rebbe's blessing was fulfilled completely. He became this Nasafain, he became wealthy and he passed away at the age of 110 and his wife had survived him by another two years. And when he told the story, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, the previous Rebbe, quoted a teaching from the Alter Rebbe that when the Torah tells us about counting the Omer as a preparation for receiving the Torah, it uses this term, Usfartem Lechem, that you should count for yourselves. And aside from the simple meaning of it, it also means you should make yourselves shine as the word sapir, like a precious stone. And I think that the lesson from all of this is that besides the money and the other deep messages and, and the selling of her jewelry and the fact that such a beautiful idea and, and, and the Alter Rebbe's understanding of, of, of how difficult it was for them to do this and the gift of children that they had, which they hadn't had before, that, that even though these coins were given to charity, were the same amount and the same value when they're given with self-sacrifice, when they're given with joy, when they're given with a complete devotion, they have a very different worth. And, and they shine in a very different light. And it's amazing that you can see the difference between one who gives with self-sacrifice and one who just gives. And I think that this is a beautiful uh, lesson that we learned from this time period. And you were saying, how, how am I taking it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a very, it's really amazing. I, um, we've been getting requests at Chabad like we've never gotten before from people that are really in need. I mean, I, I, look, in my opinion, if someone is reaching out. What kind of requests are we getting? Physical, physical needs. People need food. They need uh, the money. They need uh, help. Somebody called today. They need... They literally they had the he was saying that you know he was explaining to me the whole thing that he had gotten a certain amount of money from the government and and everything and he needs a prescription for his kid right now who's sick and he literally just asked for fifty dollars. I mean somebody that I know who generally is fine but has not been working for the past six weeks. I mean, really very, very real, very specific needs. And uh, there was somebody who, um, and I put a request on Facebook and I had said that there were people that were calling that had specific needs. And there was a, 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 a person who had called and said, look, I don't have very much, but I'm, I'm giving you $20 and 
because I know that there's someone there that has less than me. It was a young person. And, and, I, and I, really, I really feel like this is a, a time where we see the worst coming out in people, unfortunately, but we also see the best coming out in people. I wish there was a TV station or a news channel that would tell all the great stories, the heroic stories, the incredible things that are happening in the world today, because there's really a beautiful shine. I can't say it any other way. There's a shine that's coming out in the world that I've never seen before. A, a real humanity, a real, a real beauty where we're calling our doctors and nurses heroes instead of other people that are usually called our heroes. I mean, it goes, I can go on and on and on, but you get the point. So yeah. I think that this week's Torah portion is very much connected to what's going on in even even what we were saying life. before about the koanim the average typical koanim the one that has you know the, the blemishes yeah absolutely were, in a way they were more heroic than the koanim in the base of mikdash they were dealing yeah. with people's needs uh you know on a daily basis i think it's a great example exactly all right on that note it's already 10.07. Are we over an hour? How, how long? Uh, we're, we're around an hour. All right. That's perfect timing. Should I just... Um, you want to you, you wanna do our sign-off? Yeah, but I was told that I need to use my computer. Now I'm uh, feeling... You're feeling very self-conscious about yeah, your music? Very self-conscious about my music. Why don't you just sing it since you're a lady and you're supposed to sing? Give me a song. Give me a song. Come on. Let's go. But you have to speak in the background, and I'll try to like lower. Yeah, you know, exactly. like in the '80s, then when they played music, <laughs> they had to like in the early '90s bands. At the end of a song, the only way they knew how to stop was to like lower the volume slowly and play softer. Okay, what's the song that's like Sason Vasimcha? Sason Vasimcha, Yevad Elchi. I don't know the rest of it. No, like no, like like Chatan Vakala. Sasson, like cold, cold. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you, you did get married. No, I didn't. I just know that song. Okay, but there's, there's things going on there's here. There's something going channel. on that we're not hearing. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a, we haven't seen you for a month. What? All of a sudden. Yeah. No, I could take off the tickle. I just like it. It's fun. Uh, that that would be a real. Uh, if you took off the tickle, then that would be like. Uh, What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Like that would be like terrible. Can you like just continue with the music and sign off this thing already. <laughs> All right, that's my answer. I keep digging my hole. All right, I don't know what's on. Thank you, Julia, for joining us. This has been a fantastic episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you want to come on and be a guest on uh, our show. We are open for, uh, for guests, but you have to put up with us, which uh, sometimes proves to be more difficult than, uh, than not. You have, to put up, you have to put up with Robert Burnett's bedtime stories. For a exactly. whole hour and 10 minutes late. Yes, exactly. Exactly 10 minutes. Exactly 10 minutes late. So that's, uh, this is from your mouth to God's, God's ears. I'm Thank me. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, to, what else? What, what else do we need to say? Tune in everywhere at podcast. Tune in everywhere if you want to. Uh, Ooh, help you could find Julia. Where can people find you? Me? Yeah, if they want to hire like uh, you to teach their children. I don't um, know. um, the, through they, you guys. 
All right, okay. reach out to Robin Bernat and- uh, Yeah. Oh, oh, you're putting it on me now, okay. <laughs> Are you doing Zoom classes? Like in your marriage, do you have time? Like as a newly married person, it's hard. I'm actually doing a lot of learning these days. Teaching or learning? Learning, but I mean, I could be teaching. I don't know what I would teach, but it's it's not, okay, I have a growth mindset about it. I could do it maybe. Growth mindset. I still don't get it, but it sounds look good. Look up growth mindset. I'm going to look it up. It, it sounds very professional, but I have no idea what it is. I, I'll tell you, if a Cohen had a growth mindset, he was not allowed in the basement. Got it. That's all I'm going to say. That makes more sense to me. Okay. In any case. Right, you, can you can find me chilling face all around, and you can find Robert Bernath. Where? You, you, know, you know where to find me. All right. That's it for if me. you want to uh, give to families in need, jewishindigy.com slash donate and just put in the comments it's for families in need and we'll take care of it and count the omer <laughs>